I am here with a woman who holds many hats, the most important of which on this interview series, which would be women in the motorcycle industry, as well as adventure travel, is uh, Jackie Van Ham, who is an event specialist, spokesperson, brand, and product specialist, MC and host that you've probably heard at motorcycle events such as Daytona and Sturgis, and most recently the motorcycle shows for Victory Motorcycles. So welcome to our fabulous interview series. And I guess the first question I usually start out with is, how did you get into motorcycling, first motorcycle as well? Well, I had my first bike. My dad bought me a motorcycle when I was about 11 years old, um, a small two-stroke dirt bike. He purchased it for me from a friend of his. I'd been whining about it for a long time. I grew up with a bunch of boys. I had all older stepbrothers. And I had six-wheelers and four-wheelers and go-karts and all sorts of super, super fun toys. And I wanted my very own bike. My dad had to go to work the following day because he was a pretty busy dude. And he left my stepbrothers in charge of teaching me to ride that motorcycle. And that I had to have a helmet on. Well, we went outside and they taught me how to ride that motorcycle without a helmet, of course. And while they taught me how to shift through the gears, they didn't do such a hot job at teaching me to brake. <laughs> so I ended up doing this huge, fast lap around. We had some back acres. I grew up in more of a rural northern Illinois town called Sandwich, Illinois. It's a real place. And uh, did this... Sounds delicious. <laughs> it's very delicious. And I did this quick, you know, like huge arc around the back property. And we lived next door to a John Deere tractor dealership. And the next thing I knew, I glanced up and I was just headed straight towards the tractor. Oh. So I didn't know how to stop. And so I just pulled the handlebars to the left-hand side, which of course meant that I, I threw myself over the handlebars. It slid up from under me and landed on top of a tractor without a helmet on. So I immediately, you know, sobbing my eyes out. I'm 11 years old. I'm terrified. I just smashed this motorcycle up that my dad had just bought for me. My stepbrothers come and scoop me up, take me upstairs, throw me in my bedroom, and tell them to not tell my dad what happened. Well, my dad comes home. Everyone's hiding. He comes upstairs, throws open my door, and the only thing he's mad about is, I can't believe you didn't have on a helmet, you know, and let me have it about it. So after that, there was no more motorcycles in my future from my dad, but I definitely had the bug. I moved out to San Diego when I was 18 years old, and started seeing lots more motorcycles out here because of the weather and the culture. And so I really fell in love with vintage bikes at that point. I always would go and get a bike magazine called the Walnex Cycle Trader, which is a way back in the way back machine before the internets. It was an awesome source to find motorcycles and they would do repop um, articles from period, period correct articles from different magazines. And so it would have all the details about all sorts of different bikes in there and it would have how to work on your bike and it would have statistics and weight and top speed and all these interesting tidbits and I just memorized it. I just read it. It was the Bible. And it came out every month and figured out what bike I wanted to have for my very first bike and that was a 1964 Honda Dream 305. That was the first bike I ever bought. It was a little white cream puff and then quickly graduated up to some some bigger bikes but my main focus has always been the older bikes. I just I love them. Do you like working on them though? I don't mind. The great thing is, is because older bikes, this is pre, you know, older bikes is pre-computers. So there's only one of four things that can go wrong. It's intake, compression, power, exhaust. That's it. One of those things goes wrong and, and it's pretty easy to diagnose. I totally don't mind working on my old bikes. I now have a lot of vintage BMWs. Uh, not a lot. I have like three. And 
Absolutely. I love working on them and they're tractors. They're, they're simple air-cooled machines and that's what they're known for. And I think that's part of the reason why I've always loved them. I'm terrified of new bikes with computers because if that breaks down, I don't, I don't have computer skills. I'm, I can barely figure out Instagram. I, I think you lost all the guys here at like intake cards and they're like rewinding. Wait, what? Oh my, oh, oh. She, she really knows what she's doing. Oh my God. <laughs> That's very sweet of you to say, but yeah, I grew up around old cars and old bikes both, so I'm I'm pretty handy. I can I'm, I'm not a pro by any means, and I, I outsource stuff. I've got a great guy that work on, works on bikes with me and coaches me, and I always recommend folks to go get manuals and to go get, you know, and teach themselves how to use basic tools. It, it'll, first of all, save you a boatload of money, but secondly, it'll put you more in touch with the machine that you're riding, and I think once you have that better connection and better understanding of mechanics that in turn makes you a better rider. Mm-hmm. So what came first, the motorcycle industry career or the traveling? Oh gosh, um, I would have to say that would be traveling. I grew up traveling, absolutely. Um, my dad loves to travel. My brother loves to travel. It's It ain't no big thing for one of us to jump in a car and drive all the way you know, across the country, drive to one of the coasts just for like a day or two and then turn around and drive back. That's just how I was raised. So. so what was the first trip on two wheels? My first trip on two wheels, other than just riding around town, um, small trips, my first big trip was I had that little Honda Dream 305 up until the year maybe 2001 or 2002. By that point, I was living in Louisville, Kentucky. I was riding home one night. I worked in the restaurant industry for a very long time. And I was coming home at night. I don't know, like maybe around one in the morning. Well, that's prime bar drinking, troublemaking time. And I was hit from behind by a drunk driver. And I went down. It was trapped underneath the car. The bike slid out from away from us. Um, the bike was fine, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I got stuck underneath the car. It had some pretty substantial road rash. Um, luckily, nothing was broken, thank goodness. Long story short, in Kentucky, you can file what's called PIP, personal injury protection. And it's a $10,000 kind of blanket check to cover bike damage, hospital, whatever, whatever, whatever. So after all the bills were paid, I still had $5,000 left over. And that's when I decided I needed to get my next bike, which was going to be a bigger bike. And I bought uh, a 1972 BMW R75-5. And that was on purpose because that year I had gone to Mid-Ohio Vintage Days and the brand for the year was BMW. And I saw all these BMWs there that had award mile, uh, mileage awards on them. Back in the day, if you could confirm your mileage, BMW would give out mileage badges. And they're literally like metal badges that you very proudly mount on your bike because you can only get them at the quarter million, half million, and million mile mark. And... My mind was so blown that you could go a million miles on a vintage bike. I knew that that was the bike for me. I knew that I had to have it. I didn't know a single other thing about it. Never looked at one, never rode one, never even thought twice about it, and immediately started searching around on the internet. Um, Found one in central Illinois, bought it sight unseen, had my dad bring it down to Kentucky to me. I could barely, barely touch the ground on it. Like I said, I'd never, ever even ridden one. But that was my bike. I had to have it. And, And... so I bought that bike, and then I... I can relate to that. Yeah. Most had, of my bikes were sight unseen. Had to have it. And it and now I ride the wheels off of it, and it fits me great. People sometimes are shocked that... that Because it, it's not it's not a super tall bike, but I'm, I'm a pretty short girl. But I have borrowed much larger bikes. I have been riding now for 13, 14 years. 
I'm a little, I'm definitely more confident and feel capable of being on a taller bikes. But, so that brings me back to the first trip. So the first trip after that, I bought that bike and it was, I don't know, like I think I paid three grand or four grand or something for it. So I had a thousand dollars left over. So of course that means I had to quit my job and go travel on that bike uh, for the rest of the summer. So I went down to North Carolina to a vintage show called the Raleigh Rumble. I went to Barber Vintage Days that year. I think I rode that bike down to maybe Daytona for Bike Week, like... I had this whole crazy summer of touring around and going to races and going to Arma Vintage races, and I just got the bugs and fell in love with it, and I've been a part of that community ever since. Awesome. And so when was the international trip, and how did that kind of fit in with um, with the industry work? Well, I ended up going to Europe in, I think, about 2007. I ended up going over and going to the Austin MotoGP and absolutely fell in love with it. It was a phenomenal experience. Motorcycling there is not lifestyle. It is absolutely a way of life. It is a basic mode of transportation. When you go to any sort of European or international MotoGP, it's hundreds of thousands of people go. It's not like in this country, unfortunately. We just don't have that kind of attendance here. But overseas, it's massive. This becomes a a huge city of 200,000 moto nuts who ride there. And it's parking lots full of bikes and then when you leave the track when the race is over they all lane split of course because there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of bikes that all got to get out of the track at the same time so they lane split they share lanes they'll create another lane um, over towards the shoulder when you leave Austin and I was in a car when I left and I just had my face smashed up against the glass just watching these people go by and I had to do it for myself I had to come back I had to experience it on two wheels and live it and do it And so I started hatching a plan and I I just figured out, I just thought, how can I really make this work? How can I really pull this off? So I reached out to the BMW Owner's News Magazine, where I was friendly with the editor at the time. I pitched in the idea. He thought it was fantastic. At that time, and and even today still, it's hard to get money to go do cool stuff like that. But he definitely helped put me in touch with companies that could help out with a set of leathers or a set of luggage or a helmet or gloves. And in turn, I would write about them um, and product review them basically for the magazine and online. So I worked really, really hard. I did crazy stuff. I had like motorcycle bike washes. I, I did all sorts of silly stuff because this was before Kickstarter. I had like the, the OG, the original Kickstarter <laughs> and would have parties and events and ask people to come out. I'd have raffles. I'd have people donate stuff. I'd raffle it off. I tried to raise money and then I'd I just worked really, really hard and set, a, set some money aside, and I went over to Europe um, in 2008. I shipped my motorcycle over. It went over on a plane because I had a really tight time schedule. It came back on a boat. I purchased my international green card, which is an insurance card. It's not green card like in this country, but it's your insurance card. Purchased that online, got a ticket at a reasonable price, um, went over, and just ran this crazy European trip. I had no plans. The only limitations for the trip for me personally were it had to be automotive oriented for me to go see it or do it. That way I didn't get distracted or get off schedule or get off track. You know, it would be really tempting to go see, you know, an amazing art museum. It would be too tempting to go see this super cool thing that's, you know, I was trying to keep it a really tight focused thing. And so I went to... Another MotoGP, I did go back to Austin. I made it to 
Saxon Ring MotoGP. I made it to World Superbike in Brno. I made it to the Ducati Museum and Factory. I went to BMW Motorrad's uh, Motorrad Days in Garmisch Partenkirchen, and then went to the BMW Group Archive, which is in Munich. Not their museum, but the private building that has one of everything BMWs ever made. It wow! Is, it is not open to the public. It is by invite only. It is phenomenal, and I highly recommend anybody to try to pull strings or drop a note to try to get to see that experience because it's just incredible. It's six floors of BMW stuff. It's it's amazing. Um, what else did I do? So it was. I think that that was it as far as like the big highlights of it were that, which was phenomenal, of course. I mean, MotoGP, World Superbike, Ducati. I mean, it's all the best of the best. I had a killer time. But the thing that I'm also most proud of is that I really wanted to be part of the European motorcycling community. Out of that almost four months of travel, I only paid for six nights of accommodation. The rest of it, I couch surfed with motorcyclists all across Europe, all by myself. I would go to an event, I'd pull up on my 40-year-old motorcycle that had BMW or um, Kentucky historic plates. <laughs> they would come over, I would leave an event, it would be surrounded by people because old bikes like that just aren't seen. And certainly with not, Kentucky plates. Certainly no, not with Kentucky plates. And it would be crowded. How'd that thing get over here? And I would come over to it in my leathers with my helmet and get on, and they would be like, who are you and why are you here? And I would say, well, my name is Jackie and I'm here to see Europe and I'm here to meet motorcyclists and do you have a couch I could sleep on? And they would say, I think that you're a little crazy, but yes, <laughs> and let me call my wife. And they would call the wife, explain what had happened. The wife would be prepared to prepare, would then prepare to entertain. So she would make some sort of awesome, whatever country I'm in, dish and he would then get on the horn and call his buddies. And that night there would be a little mini party at like every house I stopped at. Wow. So then those people would be like, well, where are you going next? And I would explain where I was trying to go next. And it would be, oh, I have a cousin that lives there. Or, oh, I know this guy there. They would get on their cell phone and call. This trip was entirely no cell phones. I didn't have a single cell phone on me. Minimal computer. You know, this is in 2008. This is before Facebook. This is before... All of that kind of stuff. So it was like super back in the day, way back machine, you know, just people reaching out and people saying, hey, and the forums. Remember back in the day, the forums used to be really, really hot and heavy. You know, that was the Facebook. You know, you'd get on a Triumph forum or a BMW forum or whatever. And I would post on those and say, hey, I'm in southern Germany. I'm headed here. And then I would get replies from people. Uh, It was fantastic. And I still am friendly with lots of those people that I stayed with. I still keep in touch with them. They ask me to come over all the time. I'm trying to save up and hopefully go this spring and see some of those faces again. I love that it's a lifetime of memories. It's a lifetime of friendships. And it's all just because of riding motorcycles. So when you came back, how did that trip and that kind of sense of community change things for you once you came back to the States in terms well, of work? You're absolutely right. It absolutely changed It changed everything for me. I came back and because of those partnerships I'd had from going over where I had provided gear, I had provided helmets and and luggage and things of that nature, I wanted to make sure I took the time to go to those companies personally and thank them. So I went to the Chicago International Motorcycle Show where a lot of them were at and wanted to go and shake hands and thank people face to face, tell them my stories, tell them how much I love their product. Some of it was definitely game-changing for me. I learned a lot about 
how you should travel, that there's an aha moment when you find this killer piece of gear that just makes everything happen nicer and easier and better. It makes you want to ride longer. And one of the companies that I approached, I told them this whole story and was very enthusiastic and very, very grateful. And they said, well, you clearly love talking about this and you clearly love travel. Would you have any interest in jumping in our International Motorcycle Show circuit and being carny folk with us and going around and preaching and sh- preaching to the choir and spreading the love of this product all around the country for the next four months? And I said, absolutely. I mean, I came home, I, I just had to get that article written, but after that I didn't really know what else I was going to do with myself, so <laughs> it worked out perfect. And so I went around the country and did the entire circuit. I learned a lot about the industry and was exposed to all sorts of other companies after that because you see each other weekend and week out. So the following season, when it came time for IMS time again, I was contacted by another, a different company who just said, hey, I saw you out there slogging through it because it's it's pretty grueling. It's hard work. It's This is not sitting around and getting a foot rub and eating bonbons. Like you're, you're really, really working out there. And... He said, you know, you always had a fantastic attitude, even if it was six in the morning and you were loading into some dirty convention hall, you were always in your chucks with your glasses and like smiling and pleasant and saying good morning to people and setting up and doing your thing. And I mean, I'd watched you do this for months and you're that way. Will you come and work for our company this season? And I said, absolutely. And so that parlayed into working for all sorts of people. So I am now at, um, so for those, for, so for several middle years, I've been a hired gun. I'm an independent contractor within this industry, which I kind of created that space for myself. People like that did not exist when I started doing it. It was company. You you brought people to the shows from, from within. You brought office people. You brought whoever to come in and do it. You didn't just pay some stranger to come in and learn about your product real fast and then pitch it all weekend and sell it or load it in or load it out or whatever you have going on. So I kind of started that space, I feel like. I I mean, I certainly didn't know anybody else that was doing it. And because of that, I get to work for all sorts of companies. So I was hired last year by Victory Motorcycles to come on in and not only be kind of a brand and product specialist and talk about it, but to also be an MC and do it on a microphone in front of people. And I was just promoted at Sturgis, and I am now considered a spokesperson for Victory within their corporate language, which I'm super, super duper proud of. It's a fantastic company. I am truly, truly the luckiest girl in America. Uh, they, I can't say enough good stuff. Um, so it's great to work for such a fantastic company. I believe in the product. I drink from, I drink the Kool-Aid for sure. And it's always exciting. I never know what's going to happen next. And it changes every day. And I'm, I'm not in a cubicle. And I get to go out and meet different people. And they come to me. And, and they give the love right back. So when we met at Daytona, what was that like your second show? Was Sturgis your first? Like, what was your first with Victory? My first show with Victory was January 1st of last year. It was at Washington, D.C. for the International Motorcycle okay. Show. And so I did that show, and I did, I think I had five shows with them last year. I did all of the last shows. I got all of the cold weather shows last year. So I did uh, D.C. and New York, Cleveland, um, Novi, Michigan, Chicago, and Minneapolis, so I had all those shows in a row, and then there's about a two-week break at the end of the International Motorcycle Show circuit, and then it's Daytona Bike Week right right behind it. 
and that's like a nine-day show. That is a that is a long, long outdoor show. And Daytona this year was phenomenal. I had the time of my life. The weather was fantastic. There was great racing. It was so much fun. I had such an awesome time. I got to film a promotional video for Victory Motorcycles and be featured in that, which was not only incredibly flattering, I am super duper proud of that. So I had just a killer, killer time and it was a nine day show, but it, it feels like two seconds. And then I treated myself to a really nice vacation in Mexico right after that. <laughs> and, and I'll never forget how we met at Daytona, which I think, I'm sure there was probably a different moment where we actually met, but the part I remember is you pulling up into the courtyard with all of us standing around on the gunner and I'm, and you were delivering some sass about how you're bringing this, uh, this gunner to the table. And I'm like, don't make me bust out 111 cc's of thunderstroke on you because <laughs> the gunner is just slightly less. Isn't it like 108 or something? It's like true. That? It's true. The whole victory lineup for 2014 and 2015 is a 106 cubic inch yeah. engine, which is approximately 1,731 cc's. They're all six speeds. They're all oil and air cooled machines. They're all belt driven. Um, it's it's comfort, it's style, it's performance, it's reliability, all in one great package. Clearly, I drink from the Kool-Aid. Um, and I love it. I love yeah. it. And, and, and that was the other thing. You're totally right. I am the luckiest girl in America because when I, get, when I go to work and the demo truck is there and it's a warm weather show, I get to borrow loaner bikes and go ride motorcycles while I'm there. So I did have a victory for the entire week at Daytona. And then I headed out to Sturgis also in August and worked Sturgis for Victory Motorcycles and had a gunner also for the entire week that I was at Sturgis. Yeah, I just remember. I'm pretty proud of that joke, actually. Don't make me bust out my 111 cc's of Thunderstroke. I, I loved it because I'd seen the Indian parked right outside because we were corralled, by the way, listeners. We were corralled at Daytona Bike Week um, at the races, at the track, and they don't allow motorcycles into, like, the very, very inside. You can park in the parking lot, and there's special motorcycle parking, but there was, like, a chain-link fence. But I had this bike and I really wanted to come show it off because there was all these industry people there that normally are in more of like a cafe racer, um, vintage custom wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And I think the Gunner is a really, really great looking factory stock bike and I wanted them to see it. And so I just kicked open that gate and rode the bike right in. And But I'd seen the Indian outside, and I was wondering who was there. So I thought it was pretty awesome when you finally fessed up that you were also there, Team Polaris. And you were um, on the big Indian bike, and I was there on the little gunner. Yeah, snap. <laughs> on the chief. Yeah, that was that was a really great time, and I was really, really stoked that uh, we met there, along with a couple other people who remain nameless. But uh... <laughs> it was a great time. It was, it was everybody that you wanted to see was there. And yeah. like I said, I think the most important thing is it's not only Daytona Bike Week, and I think people get into their head that these these big rallies like Daytona, like Sturgis, people get misconceptions about what that really is. And it gets kind of a weird rap, I think. And then you go and there is super cool things at both of those events. It doesn't have to be a big tour bike V-twin thing, um, even though they're both perceived that way. Sure. There's killer racing. There's an awesome vintage um, swap meet just south of Daytona that same weekend. There's I mean, there's all sorts of really, really cool Yeah, as well stuff. as Sturgis, which I never knew, that also had AMA racing. It's like, what? Oh, that's... Oh, is that how that started? How intriguing. Yes. Because 
The concept of Sturgis and cruisers overshadows anything race-related, and actually getting back to us meeting for the first time at Daytona, that will also be the last Daytona 200 for at least as, as far as The foreseeable know. future, yes. Yeah. It's come off the books for this next year. They're having a little bit of a management issue, but fingers crossed they get it back together again. Um, it is a hard pitch because, like I just said, there's this huge misconception especially about Daytona, although I really kind of want to throw Sturgis in there as well. But people don't even know that there's racing at Daytona, honestly. So I think that it just hasn't been promoted quite right. I I think that they're missing the mark by not saying... There's flat track races. There's Supercross. There's and, the Daytona yeah. 200. There's Supercross there's vintage and antique swap meet and show, a really, really great show, um, just south of Daytona. There's all the V-Twin stuff going on. There's parties. There's beaches. There's awesome fish fry. There's fantastic weather if you're from the Midwest like me, and it was awful this year. I could not wait to get down to Daytona and show my pasty white skin a little bit of that Florida sunshine. I actually gave awards out at the Victory Owners Lunch. I was doing like a a raffle and I was calling out numbers and people like couldn't really hear me. So I just gave up and I said, you need to come show me your worst sunburn right now. And I'm going to give you free Victory Apparel. And all these poor Midwesterners that were just like lobster red, blistered, like these poor people came running up to come get their free stuff because they were all in the same boat. You know, we all had the worst winter and then just laid out there, you know, like, like turtles, like turtles on a rock, you know, like salamanders out there, like just baking. So I had a great time. It was super fun to meet you and and run into lots of cool, interesting industry people and, and just celebrate all things motorcycle. Um, And then right behind it was Sturgis, not right behind. I shouldn't say that in August is Sturgis. And that, again, is, it's so massive, but it's not just, you know, it's not just naked ladies and and beer and getting drunk and and being crazy. Now, there is certainly a lot of that. (laughs) Absolutely. But shoehorned in there is flat track. But squeezed in there is a really great custom bike show that has been going on for the past several years. This year it was called Built to Speed or Built for Speed, I should say. Um, that's a curated motorcycle event that also has motorcycle photography featured there. It's fantastic. And everybody that's in the custom game goes to that. And that was vintage curated that. Paul, Paul was part of that. Absolutely. He yeah. co, co-curated that. Um, that's his. That's been his baby for the past couple years. And it's a fantastic event. And everybody who is somebody in the custom game goes. So it's a great schmooze take photos. Mike Wolf was there. I got photos with Mike. Um, also Indian spokesperson, sort of. Absolutely. An absolute Indian spokesperson, a great spokesperson for that brand. It was great to meet him and say, hey. Um, all sorts of rock stars were there. It was fa- it was, it was amazing. Yeah. And I, and I hope, hope, fingers crossed, to make 75th this year. That would be an epic year to go. Absolutely. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm definitely planning on it. I mean, in my heart of hearts, I'm planning on planning on being there for certain. So I wouldn't want to miss it. They're guesstimating already like three quarters of a million people for it. They're expecting it to just be really, really insane. And hotel rooms are already gone. Wow. So you better really like camping or you better, <laughs> or you better get online and look up renting a house because the locals do do that. The locals don't want to be there because it's crazy. So they rent their houses online. Nice. Good to know. A little pro tip if any of your listeners are going out to Sturgis. 
You never know. We uh, we have a very wide variety of people who tune in, especially for the interview series. So uh, if anyone else listening out there has another pro tip to add, we would love to hear it. So uh, hmm, what else can we talk? What's what's next? Well, I'm, what's I've, next I just Jackie? started. I just started this year's IMS, the International Motorcycle Show series. I just started that at Long Beach this weekend. We had a great show. We did some really, really great interviews on press day. Um, we unveiled a Bonneville record-breaking victory motorcycle, which was very cool. That was put together by Brian Clock and Lloyd Greer, as well as the Helping with Horsepower, which is a foundation set up by Brian Clock's amazing, amazing wife, Laura Clock. They built a very, very, very fast 173-mile-per-hour victory motorcycle that did set a record in the 2000cc class. So we had a great interview um, and chat with them, showing off that beautiful bike. And then we also did a really nice interview over the next two months if you buy in Victory. Victory Motorcycle is donating $500 per new bike purchase to IAVA, which is an Iraq, Afghanistan Veterans of America organization, which helps folks that are coming home, veterans that are coming home that need any type of assistance. Um, it's a fantastic organization. Um, I'm super proud that we're, we're doing that, and I think it's a cool, neat, fun thing. And, you know, you get to buy yourself a nice, shiny new victory. And, and donate and help out at the same time. Help you help other people. So what are the next couple of shows on the circuit for you? So next month is going to be New York, and that'll be a really, really big show. It always is. Long Beach, New York, and Chicago, I think, are really the largest shows for sure. So it'll be New York, and then after that is D.C., Miami, which is the very, this is the very first year they've ever gone to Miami. Warm weather. I'm really excited about that. Right behind that is... More Kentucky Burns. <laughs> I'm super looking forward to it, though. And uh, Dallas is behind that. It'll be, who else is on the tour? Cleveland, Chicago, Minneapolis... I feel like I'm missing one. There's six more shows on the back end. But you can look at, I think their MotorcycleShows.com is their website if you're looking for the schedule of when that show is. So what is the hardest part about being on the uh, the circus, the crazy traveling circus, the motorcycle circus? circus? Absolutely nothing. There is absolutely nothing hard about this. I am truly the luckiest girl in America. I get to go almost every weekend to an awesome motorcycle show and talk about shiny bikes all weekend long. <laughs> My, my other answer would be, maybe my feet get tired. <laughs> <laughs> Having to wear nice-looking footwear that isn't always comfortable for an 8- to 10-hour day. Well, I wear chucks. I, um, I, I love punishment. I love self-abuse. Uh, I wear flat chucks, and I love them. I've worn them for many, many, many years. I've got really, really flat feet anyway. So that's, what I, that's how I roll at these. And it's actually, it's really not that bad. Um, no, I get to travel around, look at shiny bikes, talk about shiny bikes, eat awesome food, by the way. I don't miss meals. I am from Kentucky. I am a proud member of the Clean Plate Club. I love eating good food, so I get to travel all over and do that and see my Carney Roadshow family every weekend. Yeah, there's no, there's really no downside. 
What advice, since part of this, apart from the adventure series, is also women in motorcycling, what advice would you give to a female looking to become a part of the crazy industry circus or to at least probably participate in some way in the motorcycle industry as a female? Well, you've got you've to gotta know. You've got to know what's going on. Um, y- y- there is no fake it till you make it. You need to know products inside and out, and you have to have a passion for it. That's my A number one thing that I get told by companies that hire me, is they hire me because I'm really, really genuinely passionate about it. I am not that good of a shill. I cannot work for a company that I do not believe in 110% whatever they're selling or talking about. So because of that, I've been exposed to really awesome gear and helmets and luggage and gadgets and like cool things that make riding fun and easy and like it's supposed to be. And I love to learn. I love new stuff. I love, I love, that's why I love working for different companies because it's an opportunity to expose myself to cool, neat, new stuff and learn from it. And then I take that little, little, you know, nugget and I, and I, I love on it and it just helps build what I'm doing and what I'm doing or what I'm doing and what I am talking about. It all just helps flesh it out and it gives you legitimacy That's number one. Number two, if you're just a woman who wants to get into this industry and you want to be a promotional model, there's plenty of work for you out here. If you want to be what's called a brand ambassador and be a cute girl in the booth and not really have to know anything about the motorcycles, you can certainly do that too. And I do not make fun of those girls because we all have different skill sets. Mine happens to be talking into a microphone or talking into a camera and being a loudmouth all day. Those poor girls have to wear very, very tiny clothes and great big five-inch heels all day. It's a trade-off. I wouldn't want that job, and I don't think they'd want my job. I'd take the chucks. <laughs> exactly. Chucks, hands down. And I get to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so what, after, I'm imagining you've been to almost uh, every major city, at least with the, the International Motorcycle Show Circuit, what is your favorite place to visit? Oh, gosh, I've got, I've got so many places I just love. I love Chicago. That will always be home to me. It's a great city. It's super easy to get around. It makes sense. It's a beautiful city. I love that it's on the lake and it has fantastic food. Um, I love LA, the weather, Southern California. I mean, you can't beat it out here. And it's the, it's the nest of motorcycling in America. Everybody's out here. Every magazine, most companies are all based out of here. So if you want to go look at cool stuff, You just have to deal with the awful L.A. traffic of getting there unless you have a loner bike, which is highly recommended to lane split and get around this town a little bit faster. So I love those. Um, As far as show circuit goes, I love Seattle as well. Um, It's a beautiful town and the motorcyclists there are incredibly committed to the sport. And most of them have one, if not two, different types of bikes because they'll go do dirt. They'll go do off-road. They need something for in town. So they're very, very, very passionate about motorcycling, which I like that a lot. So I don't know what my favorite city would be. Probably the city that I'm in right now. Or uh, probably the city that I'm in at that moment. Got it. <laughs> it's how I should rephrase that. That would probably be my favorite city. Darn, and here I was all excited. <laughs> but I do love LA, no joke. You can't, you can't beat it out here. Yeah, it's the it's the people. It's the convenient location of being near all the major publications and practically almost all of the manufacturers are out here. Triumph is the only one that's I think located in Atlanta. That's but you're absolutely right. It's it's not just the weather, it is the people. There's so many incredible people out here that are 
total motorcycle enthusiasts as well as industry people that are enthusiastic and awesome and love to love to chat and share motorcycle knowledge. I know just earlier today, I just went for a walk up the street and literally just ran into a buddy of mine that I haven't seen in several years that happened to have his garage door popped open and was wrenching on some stuff and working on some stuff. And I mean, where else does, where, how does that happen? Where else does that happen but Los Angeles? It's the city of dreams. Well, thank you very much for joining us on this episode of Adventure and Women in the Industry. Nice, nice dual tie-in. Well, thank you so much. I super appreciate it. Ride safe, everybody. 